Ask Gwen uh, after church what she's painting and how it syncs up with uh, what we're talking about today. Right, Gwen? But you are going to stop, right? Just saying. There'd be no way to listen to me and watch that painting thing going on. We are generally in our own worlds, Glenn and I. Me and mine and you and yours, and that's your world. And I don't care. That's my wife, by the way, if you didn't know that. Yeah. You thought I was just throwing anybody under the bus. <laughs> I'm not. She's awesome. She's awesome. Hey, so make a note of this. If you don't make a note of this, you will, uh, you'll know soon. Um, in two, well, in three weeks, first week of February, we are going to, uh, for a season, change the time. We're going to do church at 10 o'clock instead of 9 o'clock. Wow. Or for a longer season, maybe. Mar- Marcia, you're into this. She's been saying, will you change it in the winter, please? Will you change it? Because she drives around the corner right out here, right? Right into the sun, and I get that. So, so for a season, we don't know how long, but we're going to go from 10. Right beforehand will be uh, uh, waffles and everything like that still, and afterwards we'll still have brunch. Uh, you want to get the word out, or you want to remember what I'm saying, or else you're going to have breakfast on that first day at 9, because that's when we'll start, because you'll be here, and the rest of everybody will show up at 10. So uh, that'll be fun, and, uh, uh, but get the word out on that for sure, yeah? Uh, 10 o'clock, um, and uh, if there's anything you need to know that we don't actually necessarily stick with anything, so that could be for a while, we don't know, we'll, we'll, we'll see, um, but, but that'll be good. And then uh, next week, we'll have a baptismal service, and so if you have not been baptized, or you're feeling God's prompting that you ought to do it, do it. Uh, Jesus said, do two things, celebrate the Lord's Supper all the time, whenever you do this, remember me. And be baptized. And so actually when you're getting baptized, you're being obedient to what Jesus told you to do. If you want to be a Jesus follower, uh, that's that's something you do. Now, it's it's an outward expression of an inward reality. So um, there's nothing better than to, to give the testimony that you are now walking with Jesus and sitting there in the tub, as weird as that is and as uncomfortable as that is, reading your, your, uh, your testimony of how you have decided to do that. If God is prompting you to do that, you want to be a part of that, talk to me, email Daniel. Daniel's on a retreat today. But uh, uh, even if, you know, I hear this all the time. Well, I got baptized when I was a baby. I hear that all the time. Well, instead of trying to reconcile all that theological stuff around that, what's God telling you to do now? How about you make it practical instead of a theological discussion? What's he telling you to do now? And, if, and uh, we don't need to undermine that, uh, but if God is telling you to do that, do that. So we right now, switching subjects one more time, uh, yeah, are headed into Luke. And we've been doing it a year and a half. And a year and a half ago... Um, I felt like uh, if what we needed to do is read Jesus the church, bring everything we were doing to focus on Jesus, and to do that, we needed to know him, what he says, what he did, what he taught, uh, uh, what he calls on us to do. And so we've been working this for a year and a half. That's a pretty long time, right? Uh, and uh, I have told you that there are three things. Well, we've, we've gone through the whole thing, because we wanted you to not just get the, the high points or the easy uh, points you got when you're in Sunday school. We wanted you to get all of the stuff, and we got some stuff that's coming up that's really going to be a challenge. 
But I have told you that if you knew three things, if you got three things out of this whole deal, there would be three parables, right? You've heard me say that. Three parables uh, that you uh, not just need to learn and say, check, I got that, but dialogue with, go back to frequently, maybe every couple of months. The first one was the soils. Remember that? Uh, you, uh, Jesus, that was early in Jesus' teaching, and I think it was so that you could see and discern not only where other people were at, but where you were at. And if you follow that parable all the way to where it's headed, it's headed straight into your heart, and you want to go there and, uh, and talk to God about your fruitfulness and um, what kind of soil our heart is, you want to do that frequently. The second one is Luke 10, and we spent a lot of time on this one, right? It's the Good Samaritan. Matter of fact, you just got to spend time there because that was a parable that he taught in response to what's the greatest commandment, which is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. That's the core of our vision here of loving God and loving people. And you need to go back all the time to that. Am I the good neighbor? Because that's the way that story turned out, by the way. Not who's the good neighbor, but am I the good neighbor? Because that'll tell not only for my love for people, That'll uh, shed light on my love for God because you can actually tell how you're loving God by how you love people. You've got to circle back to that one frequently. I told you there were three. And so today we're headed into the third. And um, uh, I don't want to say it's the most important, but maybe because so much is in this parable. So much of life, how things work, uh, the Father's heart, all this stuff is in this parable right here in Luke 15. Uh, to the degree that we're spending uh, four weeks on, on Luke 15 here, calling this series Lost and Found. And uh, this is the parable of the prodigal son, actually. And, uh, you know, the temptation, I think, on the prodigal son is to read it, go one and done, I get it. But I don't think that's what Jesus was doing when he taught it. I think he taught it probably a lot of times, but certainly here he wants you to go back, pull it apart, and go deeper and deeper. In some ways, it's a little bit like being in a canoe on a lake where you're out in the middle and you've got the clearest view to the bottom and the truth of what's the core of the gospel. Matter of fact, if you were, I've heard this story, but if you were in China where at time, back in the day you could have no Bible at all, they would have just this story and the kingdom exploded just off of this story. Because the truth uh, is, is right in this one. This is, this is the one. This is the one. And so uh, I want to dig in. I think there's some stuff for us here. Um, and I, I, you know what? I've said to you, uh, you're going to hear the, this prodigal uh, every, every six months here or more frequent. Um, so if you've been here over six months, you've already heard it. And if you've been here a while, you've heard it a lot. I keep getting in and it keeps getting uh, more full. It's beautiful, and I've got some things here I think that uh, um, will be a challenge and will be good for us here. So, starting in Luke 15, uh, uh, verse 11, Jesus continued, there was a man, I'm going to read the whole thing to you, and then we're going to, uh, uh, we're going to pick um, one of the players in, in this story today, another one next week, and another one the week after, and uh, things are going to be pretty rich. So let me read the whole thing to you. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate 
So he divided up his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got, to, got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and I'm here starving to death? I will set out, go back to my father, and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up, and he went to his father. But while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you, It never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours has squandered your property with prostitutes and then comes home, you killed the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we have had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. I don't know how many times you've heard that. More than once, I bet. Right? More than once. Ten? A hundred? Yeah, probably a hundred, huh? Maybe maybe, maybe, uh, more than that. For those of you who are just getting started, let's frame a little bit of this, though. Most of you already know some of the dynamics around this, but okay, so this younger brother goes to his father and says... Give me my inheritance. Give me my estate. You already know, right, that is a massive diss. He is disrespecting his father. Not only that, what he's, what he's doing is he's reckoning his father as dead. What you have is more important than you. I want that. And so uh, if you were uh, listening as Jesus was talking, if you were uh, a publican, tax collector, sinner, Pharisee, Scribe, if you were listening and you heard that, you just went, when he told that story. He did what? He he, he reckoned his father dead. Give me the stuff. I want the stuff. It's interesting because he he doesn't say, give me the stuff because I'm going to go to the beach, buy a car, have a penthouse, and everything that goes with that. That comes later. 
not, not long after that. You know, the father was not obligated, by the way, to give that in the, in the story. The father wasn't dead yet. And he could have done like you do with your five-year-old or seven-year-old. There, there. Someday. Yeah, I don't know what you do, but you don't have to give it. But this father does. You've got to, I, I, I'm going to leave that part, but you had to know that part in order to understand the rest of what's coming. We're actually not going to talk about that brother today. You'd think we would because he's the first brother in the story. But I'll show you uh, what I think is a significant reason why we're going to talk about the other brother. So while this brother was doing that, going off, and you're familiar with the story, and we call it the prodigal son, while he was doing that, we're going to zero in today on the other brother. It says in uh, verse 20, uh, boy, that's small. <laughs> verse 25. Um, I should read it off of what you read. It. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he's out there doing what a good son does. And as he's heading back home, after being the good son, he's hearing a party. The word is actually symphony. There are multiple people playing, so they're playing together. This has been, this is a bigger deal than just a drum circle that got together. You know, this is a, uh, a party that's happening, and he sees it, and he wonders what's going on. You get it. And so he sends for a servant. Servant tells him, hey, your brother was found, and uh, he's, he's done the fatted calf. And then here's, I want to give you some insight into this older brother from some of the, the things that Jesus says in the story. Uh, it says here, um, so he called his servant, yeah, fatted calf. The older brother became angry, verse 28, and refused to go in. Why did he become angry? What was it about this guy that would become angry when somebody has found their way home? Why would, why, what, would, what would be going on in a guy instead of celebrating with something that should be celebrated? It makes him angry. You, you get it when he, the father comes out and pleads with him. And he says, but he answered his father. And it wasn't the way Jesus told this probably wasn't, hey, look, hey, why don't you think about this, Dad? That look right there is not that. It says, look, verse uh, Throw it out there. Verse 29. Look. Hey, look. Listen here. Hey, you listen to me, Father. Isn't that interesting that something has switched over time so much in a person that they would be talking to the Father? Have you made the switch already? Do you understand that we're not just talking about family relationships here, right? You recognize, right, this is who the Father is in the story, right? So you recognize what this son is doing in this example? He's turned and said to God, Look. I'll tell you how this is. Wow, is that a loss of perspective maybe? How does that happen? When the father pleads with him, what he said, look, all these years, this is what he says, I've been slaving for you. I've been working for you the whole time. I have been putting out a ton of effort. I have been doing the right thing. It says here, uh, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. I've been obedient the whole time. Everything that you've commanded, I've done. Whew, what's going on there? This is a guy who knows the rules, is living according to the rules, and is looking for something to happen as a result of doing that. 
which, by the way, Jesus was talking to a whole a bunch of older brothers who are standing around listening to this right now, right? Uh, and, uh, and they have done everything right. Matter of fact, like Daniel said last week, they've memorized the whole book. Wow, that's a big one, big checkbox right there. I memorized the whole book. Yeah. It says, uh, I've been slaving for you. These are people who are moral and who are good, who uh, are very, very religious. Religion provides a wonderful opportunity to be this guy. All the time trying to figure out what it is I do. What do I got to do here? What action do I need to take and then take it? I mean, what he's saying is I was obedient to everything. He obeyed every command except the main one. If he went right down the list, he, you know, of all the commands, I obeyed every one except the main one, which Jesus has been talking about. The main one. What's the greatest command? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And what happened to, to him where he went from being angry about his brother to talking to his father like that. Remember I just said earlier from the Samaritan, you can tell how you love God by how you love people. There's been, there's been something that's happened uh, that Jesus is trying to show uh, that can happen in a human heart. There's two brothers here. There's the prodigal, the lost brother who's left, and there's the lost brother who stayed. Isn't that weird that you can be lost and really close? That's what he's saying. This is the most radical teaching that could have been going on at the time that Jesus would say, you can, that, that all that work, all of that attention to detail, all of that obedience didn't get you where you were trying to go. Wow. It's a profound, profound message that he's, that he's given here. And you know, how does it happen, by the way? Yeah, it happens where you, you grow up and you're in a system. You're in a system and you just adopt that system. And you just work in that system and you learn how to succeed in that system. And people give you affirmation in that system when you do that. And when, you see, when they see your behavior, they turn and go, yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I mean, it's easy, isn't it, to, to, to slip into that compared to looking at that other son where in his freedom... It's obvious that he's off the reservation. And everybody knows it and he knows it, but it's not so obvious to this brother, is it? Actually, I think it's insidious how it happens. Yeah, maybe he was in a system, but how does this happen? I actually think that um, more, more often than not, you're in a, this is how it would work. You, maybe you're in a religious system or I don't know, just a family. I don't know where, where the definition of what success was, how you would get approval, all that was spelled out, and you try your hardest to do that. Somewhere in there, there's a wound, or somebody lets you down, or somebody does something and gets promoted past you. You worked harder than them. That's a, you know, you've done, you've been, you were better than them, and uh, uh, there's an injury that happens. I think this is how it happens. I think there's an injury that can happen. Now, what do you do? When there's something that happened, maybe you're a little kid or maybe it was yesterday, I don't know. But something can happen. And when it turns, instead of uh, forgiving, working it through, uh, all that, you harbor it a little. You harbor it a little and forgiveness turns to bitterness. And then, matter of fact, that thing uh, that happened 
uh, you didn't bolt, get angry, and go uh, to the beach. You just kept doing what you were doing with a little nick out of your heart or a chunk out of your heart. And you just keep going. So that you can actually be going to church, doing everything, but inside it's just dark. And, you, and nobody could even know because everybody would look and go, man, that's the guy. That's the guy. He does everything right. You can count on him. Stuff like that, you know. And then, some, and then finally, a real injustice. Matter of fact, the father comes out to him, or he asks the servant what, where, uh, what, it, what the deal is. The servant tells him um, he's not going to go in, makes him angry. The father goes out and pleads with him. Otherwise, we would have never, I mean, you know, Jesus is making the story up, but he, we wouldn't know what happened to the brother because he would have done what? That's disgusting and gone back out to the field. And he would have kept working. Just another thing in the lineup. I, I, I've met, I've met oh, dozens of people who have been passed up or felt like they were kicked to the curb and, um, and something happened. And it started to, to fester. Don't even know it's there until some real injustice comes along. Something that really gets your goat. You know, I think it's far more dangerous to be um, the uh, older brother than the younger brother. Now, I get the younger brother. You know, we all know what happens out there. The dangers that can happen out there. Some irreversible consequences of what he could do or she could do out there in the world, uh, and uh, uh, left with nothing out on the street. A famine comes, that's the story. We all know the danger, but I think it's more dangerous to be the older brother. Let me see if I can illustrate this. I uh, Last, I don't know, uh, six months ago, I uh, went to the eye doctor. Dr. Ryan over there at 2020 here in uh, uh, Carbondale. Uh, I went there and my prescription changed. And so... Um, I, uh, they called me up and said, your, your lenses are done. Come on in. We'll put them in your frames. So I went in. I'm sitting. You've been there, right? You've been to your eye doctor. The gal helps you, uh, you know, get them straight and stuff. And she's working on them, putting the lenses in. And I said, you know, I think I'd like some, uh, <clears throat> I'd like some lenses in my sunglasses. She said, oh, did you bring them with, me, with you? And I said, well, they're in the car. I forgot to bring them in. Well, I'll keep working on the glasses. Why don't you go out to the car and get them and bring them in? Oh, okay. So I get up. I head out, now my car is parked across the street over by that chiropractor kind of there. If you, those of you who are Carbondale people, you know what I'm talking about. And, uh, uh, and so I came out to the street, and I looked right, and I looked left. There was a truck a ways off, uh, and so I started walking. And I get to the middle of the street, <laughs> major brakes locking up, and this truck just about hits me. And, you know, I was in Carbondale, and I'm a pastor here, so I could not use any gestures. <laughs> um, and no doubt, if it would have hit me, that really would have hurt the truck. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Kind of think it might do that. Uh, and uh, I'm like, what in the world? I mean, I thought that guy was going like 20, and he must have been going 35 or 40. And, and he honked his horn at me, and uh, I guess he was madder at me than I was at him. And if you're in the room... I don't know who you are, which is good. Um, and, <laughs> but you know who I am, don't you? 
<laughs> you saw me. And uh, I, I walked across. Okay, so that scuffle's kind of over. I go over to my car. I get, sit down. I'm looking for my sunglasses, and I put them on. Whoa. Oh, I can see. When I got up to the road, I was like convicted, okay? Because when I got up to the road and I looked this way and I looked that way and I saw the truck, I had tons of room. But if I could have seen clearly, I could have realized that I was in actual danger, that I'm like thinking I'm good and I stepped right out in front. And it was a blur to me. I mean, actually, I went back and I said, you know how stupid it is? I just crossed the street without my glasses. So it was kind of a, I thought for a minute, I thought about that. I thought, wow, I about got hit. There's a couple morals like put on your glasses. Um, but there was a lot more danger than I realized. Because I could not see clearly. You can see clearly if you're the younger brother. You can't really see clearly if you're the older. Because it's something that creeps up on you. You can't really see. It's just blurry around you, but things are headed at you a lot faster than you think. Like some injustice, inequity that happened to this, younger, this older brother. <clears throat> I didn't see that coming. Boom. And then what's exposed? Anger. Oh, deficit. Injustice. Everything that just really gets you. That's why I think it's more dangerous to be the older brother because this is something that creeps up on you. And when Jesus taught this, it was, a, it was revolutionary that you couldn't do everything so right that you could get in. What's interesting is, yes, this is a call to uh, both brothers, both, lo both lost brothers, those brothers who are lost, wayward, out there in their freedom, and those brothers who are lost here in their control, judgment, categories, uh, that brother's just as lost. And it's a call out for that. And so actually, if you've been doing, I, I hope it's hard to be like that, but I believe it happens everywhere we're around. Yeah, if, if, if you've been, if you've been, if you can feel that uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm right here physically, but my spirit's not. You might be that guy. You might be that guy. But here's the reason I think you're supposed to circle back to this all the time. All the time. But even for the Jesus follower, this is the greatest temptation. To move in with the old, older brother's attitude and heart as I evaluate what's going on around me. It's a huge challenge Nipping, it's, it's, like a, it's like a dog nipping at your leg. Hey, you've been wronged here. Hey, that's just not right. You, you, can tell, you can tell if you can celebrate with other people. That's what's happening. If you can celebrate when somebody succeeds, boom. But if you're kind of like, ah, why does that guy always get it? Or that guy's a buffoon. What is that? Or, or even, have you ever just felt it in your side where there's, you see something and, it, and you kind of just have a snicker? Hmm. Hmm. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. That's like getting ready to cross the street, not realizing how far and how dangerous a position you're really in. It can happen to even us all the time. It's a temptation that's always there 
where just a little bit of self-righteousness, just a little bit of judgment is your pathway to finding that your heart has left and is far. I've been doing this a while. We've been doing this a while. Oh, the heartache around the older brothers who are still hanging out but are long gone. Usually happened because of injury. I, I've been walking. That's where I, I walk every day. I call it my walk with Jesus. And I get most of my insight, actually, from there. And uh, I, uh, <clears throat> I've been asking for about the last three weeks on this uh, while I'm walking. First of all, Lord, show me anywhere where the older brother has crept in. Because you know what happens when it creeps in? It creeps in. It doesn't just hurt you. It separates you. Now, you, the Father will never leave you. But he'll let you judge, move into that hard in your heart. He'll let you do that. Lord, if there's anything, I'd like to know it. And then actually, there were a, there were a, a couple things for me um, that uh, I needed to just confess. And uh, there was real freedom around that. But I, I'm not going to share those with you. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but, but he did give me an insight. Because I've been walking and going, let, let me... If there's anything about how I roll, Lord, that uh, could be dangerous, show me. And uh, I don't know if you sometimes get some insight from God, you can go right where that, you can remember right where that was at. And uh, I was walking on Friday, prayed that prayer as I was walking down that bike path down uh, three mile down to uh, the, the river. And right as I turned on the river, I prayed that prayer and I was I was struck uh, with the idea I had to look at my phone. No, he did not text me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but I started looking at my phone and uh, uh, one of my lists. You see, I'm a list guy. I got, uh, um, well, I've got, I got five I work all the time. You know, the today, got to be done today, this week, next month, someday maybe. Uh, I'm working that list every day, moving them around, uh, trying to prioritize. But I got my daily routines list. My daily routine list are, uh, well, uh, 15 things that I'm going to do every day. Some of them are for my health. Some of them are for my emotional well-being. Some of them are spiritual in nature. Uh, You know, like I I have a hard time drinking water, not physically, just remembering, you know. Uh, So I'm going to have a sip. I want to get 32 ounces of water uh, drunk, whatever you call that, drank. I don't want to get drunk on water. I'm going to drink a lot of that. Uh, by 10.30 in the morning, and I, so I got a checkbox for that. Boom, 10.30 in the morning. And I, and I want another 32 ounces by uh, 4.30 in the afternoon. Boom. Um, I've got a number of things I want to do. I, I, you know, I read the Word every day, and I got a checkbox for that. And uh, a matter of fact, I even have uh, a checkbox for my walk with Jesus. I want to make sure. Now, I love the end of the day. i got to tell you, right before I go to bed, I'll, I'll sit in my uh, chair. It's right next to my bed. And I will, uh, I'll just kind of look. Boom, boom. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. My Spanish thing. I did that. Yeah, okay. Don't, forgot to stretch. Oh, yeah. Uh, sermon prep. Daily walk with Jesus. Um, declarations. Boom. Yeah, that was a good day. But the Lord brought that to my attention right there on the spot on that trail as I had just asked him about this. What's up with that, Lord? 
and I realize I've got my daily walk with Jesus on there and I can check it off. And I, and I, and I felt this prompting God say, you know, Charlie, you can't get there from here. That's what I heard. You can't get there from here. You walk with me, and I do hear stuff when I walk, but you've got me on your checkbox, and you can't get there from a checkbox. The Lord showed me that. I mean, I still got it there, by the way. It wasn't like he said, stop doing that. It's just not going get to get there from here. Uh, he showed me that all my system, all my things, if I approach them like a transaction, it doesn't get me there. It doesn't get me to intimacy with the Father. I was thankful for that kind of insidious little revelation about what I do. Yeah. I don't know what you do. Even the good thing. I mean, what I'm doing, these are good things. I got, I got good stuff there. And they're based on my purposes. My calling, things like that. There's all, and, I, and I'm not telling you not to do that. But you know, if, if, if it's a transaction, I do this, and I get that, and when that doesn't play out, then I go, God, what's your deal? What's your deal? I don't know a single one of you that would ever turn to God and go, look! Because we, we just don't think of ourselves that way, right? That's what Jesus is saying. It creeps up on us, and it can happen. You know, did you notice, uh, throw up the last, uh, let's see, what verse? Uh, Jesus, when he ends this parable, in verse uh, 31, my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours, but we have to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he was found. You do see that, don't you, that uh, uh, this doesn't resolve. We don't know how it turns out. Jesus told the story so that uh, you didn't know what the older brother did as a result. You know what the younger brother did. Maybe that's why we spend so much time on the younger brother, because it's so great what the younger did, brother did coming home. The father greeting him, saying, I've sinned against you and against heaven. We know what that. Why didn't Jesus wrap it up and tie it up in a bow? Because everyone who heard it needed to ask the question Am I the older brother? Or what about me is older brother like? Everybody who heard it then, I, I bet, I, I think he had a big pause. Told it. And then backed away. I can visualize that. Everybody here, it's the same challenge. Is there, is there anything in my heart that I gotta stop holding on to, where it's transactional, where I'm trying to be good, where I've been wounded and now I'm getting bitter. You can tell if you can celebrate. Ephesians 1.3 says, we've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Every spiritual blessing. Did you know you had that? If you had that and knew that, you would be able to celebrate with everybody else. Even that younger brother who spent it all and, and, uh, and came back with no expense to him and came back in the, 
in the fold. I, I think that's the challenge. I think that's the challenge. And so you, if you just ask the Holy Spirit, is there anything about the way I think, roll, move about, relate to people that's a little hard, that's a little outside, that isn't quite home yet? That's the challenge. The, the, I, th- I believe the older brother um, syndrome, if you want to call it, is the plague of the church. It's the plague of the church. It's the reason that there's no power. It's the reason that we're doing a lot of good things. A ton of good things. And nothing's happening. Because that creeps up on us. We end up sitting, taking it in, doing good things, and sometimes our hearts are far. If you feel like that is, uh, uh, you know, I, I know when, when we're giving a message with a couple hundred people that at any given time, um, I've been older brother-ish uh, uh, big time in the, in the past and sometimes not so much. I think it's kind of if you think you are the older brother, maybe you're not. But if you think you're not, you probably are. <laughs> Check. Check, not the older brother. Check. Check box, good to go. So we'll, we will have <clears throat> some, if, if, if that's you, and you're in a time right now, uh, we want to pray with you. Uh, and all you got to do is just come up, talk to somebody and say, I'm an older brother and I just, I, just want, I just want to confess that. Pray for me. And they'll pray a prayer of blessing for you. Now, that's a touch and go, by the way. So I'm not landing right there because there's a truth under this thing that uh, is, is huge. I have, uh, for years, the beauty. I, I hope that when you read this parable and every other parable, you read it maybe with your eyes closed, you envision it. Can you see it as I read it? Can you see what's happening? Can you see who they are? Maybe you can even put yourself in it. I have seen the beautiful picture, not of, not of the Father just hanging out, doing whatever the Father's doing, and then, oh, look, no. I, I've seen the Father who is, is going out to the driveway all the time. You, pro, you, you, you dads know what we're talking about, right? Going out to the driveway and looking. Is that him? Yes! I have, you know, um, this, this father who's waiting for that son to come back. What more would you, uh, you know what? That is a beautiful picture. But uh, uh, we're going to talk about that picture next week. I, but I, 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 think he, I, think the, I think the father, I'm sure Jesus kind of told the story this way. The father was waiting for something else. The father was waiting for something else to happen. If, if you put it in the context of the other two parables that Jesus has already said, the first one was a lost sheep. The second one was a lost coin. That's what Daniel did last week. What happened? The shepherd got up, went out, and got the sheep, found the sheep, put the sheep on his shoulders, and brought them back. In the second one, there was a, a coin, and this lady, no matter what, puts everything to the side and finds the coin. And so if you were there listening to the story, you'd hear him start to tell about these two brothers, and you would automatically go, who's going to go get the younger brother? Who's going to go get him? It's in the context. That's the context of this thing, really. 
The father is waiting for something to happen. I love the story about the prodigal son who at no expense to him comes back and is welcomed in. Don't you love that? But it was not, there was not, in the story, there was not like, there wasn't an expense. There was an expense because when, uh, when the son, the one son asks for the inheritance and says, can I have my inheritance? You know what the father did? The father gave his inheritance and the inheritance to the older son. Isn't it crazy that the older son says to his father, you didn't even give me a lamb. You didn't even give me anything. And what does his father say? It's all yours. It's all yours. It was all yours in the first place. I gave it to you. He's such an orphan spirit, he doesn't even know it. He doesn't even know it. The father was waiting at cost, to the, when, 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 at cost to the older son. Because when, when the father gets out the, land, or the uh, fatted calf, the ring, the robe, and he says, get all that stuff out and give it, whose was it at that time? It was the older brother's. It was the cost of the older brother because it was all his. And he says, what are you doing? And he goes, we had, the father says, we had to celebrate because he was lost and he was found. And the older brother is basically saying, yeah, but you're spending mine. You're spending mine on him. There was a cost, not to the younger brother, to the older brother. That's interesting to me, because the father, I believe, was waiting for the older brother to go get the younger brother. In the context of the other two parables, that's what it's saying. The problem for the younger brother is that he had a Pharisee for an older brother. He had a Pharisee who uh, was trying to do everything right, but far from God himself. Oh, that is so uh, convicting. Now, the story, somehow or other, the younger brother finds his way back. That's next week. Why did I put the older brother first? Why did I put that today? <clears throat> One reason <clears throat> is I wanted to speak to the older brothers in us before we talk to the younger brothers. Next week, we're going to have a baptismal service. I, I, I purposely set it up this way so that Daniel would be... Uh, uh, preaching the uh, younger brother because uh, there's nobody who can do that like him. And I could see that happening. But, but there's this call that I wanted to go out. It's, it's called to go out that, that it's, it's not enough to just say, Lord, I, I'm, I got this older brother thing. There's another thing to step into what he's called us to do and be. To spend whatever we got to spend. To take whatever time we got to take. To, to put whatever energy we got to put into. I think the, in the story, the, the father wanted the older brother, drop what he was doing. He expected the older brother to come and say, I won't come back till I have him. Now he may have gone over to the beach, found the guy on the beach uh, with still a bunch of cash and a cool car and said, come on home. And the guy said, No. Well, I'm going to wait here for you. I'm going to wait here for you until it's time. I don't know. Might have found him in the middle of the famine, in the middle of the street, having to eat the pig's food and bring him back. I, I just, uh, here's what, here's what uh, came to me. I wonder how many old, uh, younger brothers are out around us right now who would like to find their way home 
and there's no older brother to go get him. Simple question. Simple question. Will you be an older brother who will go find those younger brothers and help them home? That's the challenge. Will you be that person? I got to say, you and I are here because we have an older brother who left his home where everything was perfect, happening just as it should be, who came here and at great cost to you and I sacrificed himself so that those of us who were far could be close. As we take communion, that's what we're doing. We are uh, recognizing, worshiping, and surrendering any older brother thing in us because our older brother who was perfect, that's the picture that we have here of Jesus who came for you and I, gave up his life so that you could be close and so that the other people around you could be close. That's the basic example of loving God and loving people. Yeah. I, oh, I love this text. I love what's there. I love it. Let me pray for you. Oh, Father, you're a, a good father. And um, it's striking what you will do to bring your kids home. Even when we're really close. I pray, Lord, that uh, 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 Holy Spirit, you will penetrate those boundaries that we've set up, those transactions that we've made, these agreements that we've made where we've tried to be good and do the right thing and in so doing are far from you. Any judgment, Lord, anything that's uh, unforgiveness, bitterness, I recognize that you're inviting us into the feast right now where we just do the same thing as the younger brother and say we sinned against you in heaven. Forgive us for that, Lord. Lord, I pray that this church, you as the head, Jesus, would, would lead us out to go find our younger brothers. And we pray for a massive feast together. And we thank you for it. Move in us right now as we fellowship around this table and with one another. In Jesus' name, amen.